Uh, if you've got a Bible today, turn to Luke chapter 2. Uh, Ruby was reading for us there some of the verses we're going to look at together this morning. But man, Christmas is what? We're one week out, you know? Uh, some of you, you're anxiously awaiting it. It's coming, whether you like it or not. Um, I'm wondering, though, on a scale of 1 to 10, how stressed some of you are feeling right now. Because if you're a 1 to 3, you're chilling, right? you got a head start on things. You know, you've planned appropriately, and so you're kind of coasting right now, you know, as we head into this final week. But there, in the, there are those of you that are that 4 to 7 category, and to those of you who'd say, it's going to be all right, you know. I mean, you just keep breathing, all right, keep hydrating, you know, one step at a time, you're going to get through this. But then there are the 8 to 10s, like the engine light isn't on, it's burned out, you know, and there's not enough coffee, and people are driving you crazy. How many 1 to 3s in the room this morning? You're feeling pretty good about it all, all right? How many 4s to 7s in the room? All right, others of you, any 8 to 10s? All right, any of you honest? All right, let's get the coffee pots in here and, and help some of these people out, although maybe it's not the caffeine uh, we need. I, I don't know how you deal or cope with your stress, you know, maybe around Christmas time. Sometimes I like to play music. I find music to be a little soothing, relaxing, and so here's what I thought we'd do. I thought we'd start today by playing a little game in church. I thought we'd play a little Christmas name that tune, all right, for those of you that are experts in the classic Christmas song. Uh, I'll play a short clip, all right? It's going to be just a few seconds, and then you shout out the answer when you know it, all right? Real simple game. We'll see how you do. Some of these are easier than others. Here's the first one. Check this out. White Christmas, all right? I heard a white Christmas in the room. All right, real quick. Again, some of these easier than others. Who, who made the song famous? Who sang it? Bing Crosby, all right. All right, let's do the second one. All right, so we're still keeping it easy. All right, what's the answer? Most wonderful time of the year. All right, and for bonus points, who made it famous? Andy Williams. All right, here's another one. All right, maybe they're all easy. All right, what is it? Rocking around the Christmas tree. Who sang that one? Brenda Lee. All right, very good. I had to look it up. So uh, how about this one? Go ahead. a little more difficult. Anybody know? It's, yeah, it is. It's a beginning to look a lot like Christmas, Kylie. Good job over there. Also Bing Crosby. And then uh, how about this one? You've never heard this one before. Yes. All I Went for Christmas is You, Mariah Carey. Justin Tunmore sings a mean version of this song, by the way. If you, if you ever get a chance, check that out. And then finally this one, one of the best. Fill in the blank, hallelujah, right? The hallelujah chorus, probably performed by a number of different groups. The London Philharmonic there, kind of some fun facts here about it. Well, first of all, if you think the hallelujah chorus was written for National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, shame on you, all right? But one of many pieces... Uh, contained in his larger work, Messiah, the Hallelujah Chorus was composed by George Frederick Handel in 1741. But here's something fun. Legend has it that when King George II attended the London premiere of Messiah in 1743, he was so moved by the Hallelujah Chorus that he stood up during it. And since then, standing up during the song has become a tradition of honor and respect, not only for the song, but of course, 
for the anticipation of the return of Jesus Christ. See, the Hallelujah Chorus is based on Revelation chapters 11 and 19, and as those verses explain, and as the song proclaims, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. He is King of kings, he is Lord of lords, and he shall reign forever and ever, amen. Like those words, like that music, you know, at Christmas time, everything about that piece gets inside of you. Like it's deeply moving. Well, surprisingly, the entire experience, including the, the composition of this massive work, moved Handel too. In fact, it's been reported that when he was composing the piece, his assistant would go to him, go to his uh, quiet place, uh, bring him meals, and would often find him in tears. No wonder he is quoted as saying, I did think I did see all of heaven before me as I was writing, and the great God himself seated on his throne with his company of angels. Like it's pretty clear that Handel, uh, you could say, encountered the presence of God in a very special and powerful way as he composed this famous work. Should we be surprised then that it has stood the test of time? Well, if you were here with us last week, we kicked off a series that's going to take us all through the month of December, a series that we're just simply calling With. And I think we'd all agree that Christmas is one of the most popular holidays in the world, specifically, especially here in the United States. And there are any number of reasons that we get excited about Christmas time, from the lights and decorations to time with family and all the food and cookies and Christmas songs, of course, too. But the most fascinating part about Christmas for us uh, as a church and as followers of Jesus Christ, is trying to come to grips with the truth that the same God that created the universe sent his son Jesus Christ as a way of expressing his deep desire to do life with you and me. And it's why these words from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, the the prophet Isaiah, are so important, spoken 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Here's what the prophet Isaiah said, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Jesus is our Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel means God with us. Us. And as Christians, then, we're reminded that Christmas means that God's presence is with us to, to do life with us, to go through all of life, all of our circumstances and situations with us. But it's also a time for us as Christians to think about how his presence with us has the potential to help us experience the presence of God in their lives too. And so as we discussed last week, Genesis chapters 1 and 2 open and described how Adam and Eve walked through the garden, the Garden of Eden with God uh, and with him and all was good. But unfortunately, as the story goes, sin found its way into the story. Sin caused the fracture in our relationship with God, a fracture that you and I could never repair on our own. And so Jesus came to fix that fracture. And it's through faith in Jesus Christ then that anyone can enjoy the benefits of God for now and for all of eternity. And by the way, that's where we get our mission as a church, our mission of helping people find their way back to God. It's because for many of us, like we know and we've experienced or we are experiencing the good news of Jesus in our lives. And so as we've talked about all year long, as sent people sent out by Jesus Christ into this world, it's now on us to help others find their way back to God through Jesus Christ. And so Luke chapter 2 
uh, we want to spend a few minutes with today. If you spend any time uh, around church at Christmas or Linus and the Charlie Brown Christmas special, for that matter, you'll recognize these words from Luke chapter 2. And the setting is Bethlehem, or just outside of Bethlehem. And as we look at this map here that uh, we looked at last week, last week we talked a little bit about Nazareth, about 70 miles to the north of Bethlehem, which is here at the very bottom. Uh, Bethlehem located about 10 miles outside of Jerusalem today. That's our setting, and we discussed the impact that the Hallelujah Chorus had on King George II. It's nothing compared to what this angelic visit did for these shepherds and how they ultimately responded to it. And it's interesting, though, when you think about it, and when you know a little bit of the backstory, that God would choose a group of shepherds. Because true shepherds played an essential role in this ancient world since livestock was a very important part of their economy. Add to it some of the most prominent figures in our Bible. People like Abraham and Moses and David were all shepherds. God talks about being our shepherd in the Old Testament. Jesus even said, I am the good shepherd. But God could have chosen any audience. He chose shepherds. An unnamed, often illiterate, all right, uneducated group of animal takers. And according to Pastor J.D. Greer, shepherding was the lowest form of labor in Bethlehem, the ultimate expression of the unskilled worker. It was a, a job best suited for kids or migrant workers. Shepherds were so low class uh, that their testimony would rarely hold up in the court of law. When it came to the social ladder, they were stuck near the bottom one step up from the lepers. And so isn't it just like God? He could have chosen royalty. He could have chosen the rich. He could have picked a palace or at least someone that gave the impression of having it all together in their life. Not a chance, though. He chose a group of shepherds. And I just want you to watch and see how God is going to use their lives and he's going to use their response to him to show us what can happen when we encounter the presence of God in our lives and then allow God's presence in us to make a difference on the people that he's put around us. And so let's dive in and see from the start how the shepherd's part in all of this shows us how he can show up to the most unlikely people in the most unlikely ways and the most unlikely time. Verse 8, Luke 2, verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were terrified. Now, notice that God showed up for the shepherds when the shepherds were just doing what shepherds were supposed to be doing. They were out in their fields. They were caring for the flocks. It's nighttime, which means that roll call has to be taken. Uh, the sheep need to be inspected. Their, their injuries from the day need to be cared for, and people need to eat. And then all of a sudden, as Luke writes, the angel appears. Listen, we get so busy. You and I, all of us, like we are on the go all of the time. There are so many distractions. We keep up this, this fast pace, and then the month of November, December comes around, and it's even greater, and we move faster. Can I just say this? Don't get so distracted this week. All right, set aside some time. Don't, don't take the chance of at least reflecting and remembering what Christmas ultimately means for us, that, that, that God loves you, that he, he cares about you, that he wants to do life 
life with you and me and for each of us. And so don't underestimate his ability to show up in your day tomorrow or to, to show up where you work or where you go to school. I, I'd encourage you to find a way of carving out some time in your week, whether that be time in the morning or at lunch or in the evening, and just be alone and be quiet, be alone with God, spend some time uh, in your Bible. Again, Emmanuel means that he is with us, and his presence is certainly not limited to this room or this room on a Sunday, but he wants to do all of life, every bit of life with you, and his presence with you means that he's got things to say that he might say or speak to you in any given moment, and he can encourage you, and he can guide you, and he can direct you, and his presence with us also means he can call us to action. All right, he's going to call the shepherds to action. Verse 10, it says, But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, look what the shepherds did. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, the Bible says, Luke says that they were afraid. And that makes sense because every encounter we ever discover in the scripture between a person and an angel usually involves fear or a better word might be terror. And add to it, the text says a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared before them. Some translations of the Bible say a multitude of the heavenly hosts, meaning this is no small choir, this is no small quartet of angels. This is a large, massive group of heaven's messengers. And not only was the angel there announcing Jesus' birth, but this angel was calling the shepherds to action. And God will do that. Uh, he is capable of doing that. He desires to do that. His presence with us, his presence in your life and your willingness to, to listen and respond and stay available means that, that, that he's going to call you to some things. He's going to ask you to act on some things. It might mean that he's going to uh, call you or prompt you into some uncomfortable, uh, frightening sort of moments. Uh, Jerry Neville is our Carmel campus pastor. He was telling me this story this past week that a couple of months ago, uh, a young lady at our Carmel campus, 10 years old, was, was baptized. And uh, whenever we do baptisms, of course, it's always fun and, and a big celebration. And this 10-year-old girl invited her parents, of course, but she also invited her grandparents to come and to celebrate with her. Well, several members of her family hadn't been in church in a really, really long time, but they came to support, and that's where it gets really exciting, that they've been coming back every week since then. But their second week back... And for those of you that were around in November here, we started our generosity series. And as we all know, churches and pastors talking about money doesn't always get everybody's attention, all right? But they managed to come, and they kept coming. Uh, they kept coming. This family kept coming every week. And during that time, we shared the story of a young girl who goes to this campus who filled out an offering envelope and put one quarter in it. And we put that picture up on the screen. We did that here, and Jerry also shared that as an illustration there. Now, for most of us, we hear a story like that, and we think, wow, one quarter, what's the big deal? Well, in this instance, this girl's act of generosity here left a huge impression on somebody in Carmel. It was the grandmother of the little girl that was baptized in Carmel 
who was sitting there, she heard that story, and she felt like in that moment that God was saying to her, I want you to give what you have in your purse, which was $7. $7 doesn't seem like much, but she's been unable to work for the past couple of years. She's on a very limited income, and she's been unable to collect unemployment. And so again, when you've got seven bucks in your purse and that kind of a situation that can seem like a lot. She chose to trust the Lord's voice. She believed, Jerry's told me this, she believed that she felt God telling her to do that and she did and the following week as she shared with Jerry, she was notified that her unemployment request had finally been resolved after two years of waiting and now she has a small fixed income to live off of. Praise the Lord, right? Praise God. You can clap, yeah. When something unexpected happens in our lives, yes, sometimes there are coincidences, right? But sometimes it's the Lord. And when God prompts us to do something, I don't know if this is true of you, it is of me, sometimes our reaction is fear or we fear the unknown, we fear the what if, or you know, we question whether we really heard from God or not. The angel called these shepherds to action but it doesn't mean they had to say yes. They had a choice, and the same is true for us. You have a choice. I have a choice. It's always a choice, a choice to respond and obey or a choice to go about our own way. But, man, is there any better way to live? Like when you think about what Jesus did for us, that he came to this earth, that he gave his life on our behalf, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, so that in him we might have the opportunity to become the righteous of God. And the more we seek to understand that, that he gave his life, that he came to be with us, like the more we're going to want to follow him and the more we're going to respond to when he calls us to action. And as we respond and as we grow closer to him, though, I just want us to notice there's going to be a growing sense of urgency that's going to come into our lives about the way that we live, the way that we do life, like we see in the shepherds. Verse 16, it says, They hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now, Luke says they hurried off, which means there was no waiting around. There was no, well, we'll get to it another time, or if there's time, they were off. Did they take their flocks? We don't know. Luke doesn't say. We just know something significant had taken place for them, and now they're on a mission to find the baby, and their encounter shows us that just one encounter with God can change the way we see everything, can change the way we think about our lives. Verse 17, it says, When they had seen him, the shepherds, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And so I just want you to see that these shepherds go from being just shepherds now to social media influencers, all right? I mean, they're spreading the word. They're getting it out. The first evangelists, they saw, again, Jesus with their own eyes. They heard the message. They stood in his presence, and now they can't help but share the news with others. Here's what's going to happen in our lives and yours and mine as we grow closer and closer to Jesus. Our, our hearts are going to start resembling his heart more and more. Like This means you're not going to be able to help but share your love for Jesus with others. It's going to come out in your actions. It's going to come out in your words and your responses. Others are going to see it in you even when you're not trying. There's, there's going to be an urgency that grows inside of us and people are going to recognize that there is something different about the way that you live. It reminds me of a story. I, um, I'll never forget a really tough situation that I walked into as a pastor 20 years ago 
uh, when we were living in, in Michigan. And uh, there was a funeral home uh, in town that called and asked if I would be willing to do a funeral for a young man in the community uh, who had died a very tragic death. And uh, those kinds of funerals are hard no matter the circumstances. Uh, this was even more difficult in that I did not know this young man. Again, I didn't know their family. They just needed a pastor. And so I met them at the funeral home. And that's where it got really, really interesting because when I showed up, I learned that English wasn't their first language, that Spanish was their first language, and I didn't know any Spanish. And so thankfully, because of their patience and because of some help with others, we were able to navigate that. But I'll never forget it, sitting down with this family. And there were probably 20 of them. And there was so much pain and so much grief and so many questions in their eyes. And, and we talked about pain and grief a little bit. And I was able to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with them. And again, they were so hurt and they were just grieving as any of us would in a moment like that. But I couldn't help but notice that there was one woman from this family, and there was something different about her. There was di something different about the way she acted and responded, and the family members were flocking to her, and they would go to her, and she was comforting them. She would hug them and encourage them, and, and again, they were drawn to her. Well, this woman and I had the chance to finally meet a little later on in the visitation, and thankfully for me, she spoke English. Uh, but she came to me, and she said something like this, Pastor, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so glad that you took the time to share the good news of Jesus with my family. She said, I'm a Christian and my family isn't. And as awful as this is, I believe that God is going to use this. And he's going to use me to help reach my family for Jesus Christ. When we begin to recognize the power and the potential of God's presence working in us and through us, it's going to change us. All right, it's going to change the way that we live. It's going to give us new eyes, and it's going to give us a new heart. It's going to create in us an urgency for sharing the gospel, much like we see in this woman in Michigan and much like with these shepherds. Let me just stop there and ask you, do you see an urgency like that building in your life? You know, people around you, people in your home, people in your family that don't know the Lord, people that you work with, students that are on your campus or in your school, like this, this growing passion and this urgency of helping others find their way back to God. Man, ask God, pray and ask God. Start praying and asking God to give you that passion and that urgency for others. Practice sharing your faith and, and your life with other people. Like the shepherds, you know, again, the closer we get to Jesus, the more we listen to him and respond to him, his urgency is going to begin taking root in us. And here's what we're going to find. We're going to find ourselves. We're going to find our lives. We're going to move beyond just existing and doing time here to actually living for him. Look at verse 18. It says, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. That word amazed or wonder means a deep weight, uh, like something so heavy that you get tired carrying it in your arms. You can't wait to give it to somebody else, but in the best possible way. It's, it says they all were amazed. Again, there was something about the shepherds. There was something about their enthusiasm. There was something about this message. 
it's a little bit like what our staff got to experience a couple of years uh, weeks ago uh, during our Giving Tuesday week. Many of you know we gave away a bunch of gift cards and food. Our staff was able to go spend some time at the uh, Noblesville Bus Transportation Center with Noblesville Schools and, and hand out these gifts and this food. We were able to do that at Noblesville West Middle School. It was so much fun. Uh, it was so humbling to, to give these gifts, and people were incredibly grateful, and they just kept asking questions like, why? Like, why? Why would your church do something like this? But that's the funny thing about our faith. And as we grow and as we just trust his presence with us more and more, it's the funny thing about generosity. Like, generosity gets people's attention. It does. And so for us at Genesis, of course, we're not trying to draw attention to ourselves or to our church. We're generous because we're trying to bring a lot of attention to Jesus Christ. And that's the fun thing about living with God, you know, in this world, that when you decide to live with God, when you decide to, to live for God, like then everything matters. Like every, every day has a purpose. Every moment, every encounter, like your job, your work, where, where you school, like your hobby. Uh, your sport, your recreation, like when you're living with the Lord, all of these things can become one more way for you and I to live with God. And, and it also means that you don't have to go to a particular school or you don't have to go to a particular college. Uh, you can serve God anywhere. You can serve him anywhere that he calls you. You don't have to, to move or live in just the right place or just the right community. Like God can use you no matter where you are. Students, all right, as much as we need young men and young women who are willing to enter into full-time ministry today, like you don't even have to go into full-time occupational ministry to serve the Lord. Be a doctor, uh, be an accountant, be an engineer, be a teacher, but decide today that you're going to do it with and for Jesus Christ. You know, that you're going to live and you're going to serve him wherever he calls you to in this world. God's presence got inside of these shepherds and then he used them for extraordinary things and he can do the same through you. He can do the same uh, through your life and, and mine. He wants to do the same in your life and through our lives. And finally, one last thing we realize about God's presence with us is that when we encounter it, when we, when we encounter God's presence in our lives, we find our home in him. We find a home with him. And that's an interesting word. It's an important word. We spent a lot of time on a word study of this word and similar words. And I want to just point you to one occasion, John chapter 14. Uh, this is the final night before Jesus' crucifixion. He's spending time with his disciples. They're going to share the Last Supper together. And then there's just lots of final words. And as you can imagine, those final words are especially important. And Jesus had been talking about a number of things. And so in John 14, 23, uh, he replied, he says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And then he said this. He says, My Father will love them. And notice the word there. We will come to them and make our home with them. In essence, Jesus is saying, if you follow me and your willingness to obey me, like we, we will come, I will come and be with you. I, he is Emmanuel, God with us, inside of us. This is the heart of Christianity, by the way. And one of the things that distinguishes our faith from all other faiths in this world, that Emmanuel, God with us, it means that you and I can have a personal relationship with God. And when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, 
Like the, the truth of the gospel is that you become a new person. You, you receive a new identity in Jesus. He forgives your sins, yes. And it's like you and I then have been given this new life and we can have this new confidence that we get to spend time with God now and for all of eternity with him. But trusting Jesus also means an invitation to do life with him. And that's what Jesus is describing here. And he uses this word home. Life with Jesus means making our home with him. And the Bible has another word for this kind of of living with Jesus. It's the word abide. A-B-I-D-E. To abide means to live continually with him. It means we're seeking an intimate, close relationship with him. We trust him, and the more time we spend with him, the more that our trust grows. We enjoy him. We, we want to serve him in all things. We want to obey. We go looking to him for guidance and for direction. We live with this sense of urgency, wanting others to know Jesus more than anything. We treasure Jesus above anything else in this world. This is the heart of Christianity. And again, part of what makes Christmas so special for us as followers of Jesus, that God sent his son and he did that willingly and he did it because he couldn't imagine doing life without you or apart from you. And in the same way Christmas each year has the potential to grow our faith, it also has the potential to grow even our hearts and minds, but also for those in our lives that don't yet know Jesus Christ. So you've got people in your life right now who don't know the Lord. You're going to spend time with people over the next week, people who don't yet know Jesus. Can I just challenge you and encourage you? Don't disregard how God might want to use Jesus' presence in your life for the sake of others around you. And that means your time. It means your words, it means your service, it means your patience, it means your prayers, it means your invitation, it means your generosity. Even your generosity could make all the difference for someone else. His presence means he makes a home with us. We've got this tree in our front yard, as you can see from this picture I love this tree. It doesn't look like this today. This is about six weeks ago. Uh, The leaves turn all red. They fall late into the season. And I really, really like the tree. Part of the reason why I really, really like the tree is because I planted that tree. And I dug the hole. And for those of you that have dug a hole before, you know that's no easy task, right? And so I dug the hole for that tree. And I dug that hole not too long after we moved here. 15 years ago. And so it's special for me. It's special because when I look at it and I see it and I watch how it's grown, like it reminds me of God's work in my family. It reminds me of this community. It reminds me a lot of our time here at Genesis. And so it's so fun to watch. And at the same time, it is a picture of what it means to be connected to Jesus Because if you know in John, in John 15, Jesus will start talking about how we grow and how we exist and live with him. And he used this analogy. Jesus said, I am like the vine and you're the branches and abide in me, remain in me. And it's through me that you will grow and it's through me that you will bear much fruit. Genesis Church, I love what God's doing in our church family. I don't know how you see it. I see the growth. 
I see the benefits of you and me making our home with Jesus and allowing him to work through us, the personal benefits, what that means for our church, what it means for our community, and what it means for how God is using our church family and his power even beyond here to places all around the world. Let's keep growing. All right, let's, let's learn to cling and abide to Jesus Christ in all things. Let's make our home with him so that we see him in us and working through us, not only for our lives and for others, but also for his glory. So we're going to pray. And this is how we're going to end today. There's this verse, a couple verses in the book of Ephesians. The Apostle Paul wrote Ephesians to the church at Ephesus. It's a letter to them to encourage them in their growth and in their faith. And I thought his words were so appropriate for us this morning because he prayed for them. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. I'm going to give you just a moment to pray. Maybe there's something that God's doing in your life this morning. Maybe there's something you need to pray for, your faith, just the ability to see his presence in and around your life right now. I'll give you just a moment, and then I'll pray and close for us. Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, Christmas, for the reminder that you sent your son, Jesus Emmanuel, to prove that you want to do life with us. And we thank you for that invitation to come to you, to spend our lives with you, to make a home with you. And we thank you for the promises uh, of that, Lord, and what it means for our eternity, but we also thank you for what it means for life today, for life tomorrow, and this week, and all the things that you're calling us to. And so we pray today, we pray these words from Paul, that out of your glorious unlimited resources, that you will empower us with inner strength through your Holy Spirit, Lord, and that Jesus will make his home in our hearts as we trust him. Let your roots grow deep down into our lives to know and experience your love, and would you keep us strong? And Father, I pray for that individual or for individuals here today who have never put their faith and trust in you, that they will know the power of Christ today, and your love, and your forgiveness, and your salvation and the hope of new life with you. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.